Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. This week, I want to talk to you about the reality of dysfunctional. You know, I've heard the saying is that you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Right, that's deep, you know. I mean, I learned that when I was eight years old. I thought that was the most profound, you know, you're right. You can pick your friends. Well, uh, in this setting, here's what I want you to understand is uh, you don't get a chance to pick your family. You can pick your friends, but your family, you were born into that. You were adopted into that. You had no say-so. And a lot of us, as we were growing up, we probably looked at other people's families and thought, you know what, I wish my family was more like that family. I wish my dad was the cool dad like Johnny's dad. I wish that my mom had snacks available for the whole football team every time we showed up. I wish that my brothers and sisters loved me just like Johnny's brothers and sisters loved on him. And we tell ourselves that, and then ultimately when we look at our own family, all we see is the dysfunction of our family. And the the reality is that when it comes to family, that when we look at ourselves, we may identify as a dysfunctional family. You know, my mom struggled with this. For many years, she thought that every other family was more perfect than our family. She thought that every other husband was a better husband, that every other son was a better son than this guy. And what she was really saying was she wanted the perfect family. And, and I got to tell you that I feel like I grew up in the perfect family. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, and if my sister was here, she'd be the, the, the second to tell you that we fought. We fought like cats and dogs, but you know what? It was okay for me and her to fight, but if you came after me, my big sister would hurt you. (laughs) And if you tried to do something to my sister, this little rug rat would get a hold of you and not let go. And so it wasn't until later in life that my mom finally embraced the situation that we were in as a family. And I remember the sign that went up into the kitchen. And it said, so this isn't home sweet home, deal with it. We, my, I think my mom recognized that, you know what, we, we weren't perfect. And all those families that she saw in the church and all those families that she saw in relatives, they weren't perfect either. We all had our dysfunctions. Well, if you can't look at your family and say, well, that's what the ideal family looks like. And if in reality, you can't look at other families because the more you get to know them, the more you realize, ooh, they're they're not so perfect either. Well, maybe we go to the Bible and we can see family examples in the Bible. Well, let's start with the first family, Adam and Eve. Like, I mean, that's, if if you want to know how to run a family, do it like Adam and Eve did. But it doesn't take many chapters for you to realize that Adam chose Eve over God. 
And what happened 6,000 years ago, men have been doing ever since. We've been choosing our wives over God. We've been making decisions based on what is right for the relationship and not what's right in our relationship with God. And we don't realize the paradox of that. Well, maybe Adam and Eve isn't the greatest example. Well, let's look at their sons, Cain and Abel. Now, that's how you want to raise your boys, right? No, not a very good example at all. Well, fast forward after the flood, and then there's Father Abraham. Father Abraham, he was the perfect father. Right up until God told him to take his family and go in this direction, and then along the way he offered his wife Sarah up almost as a prostitute so that his family could be saved as they were traveling. That Father Abraham? Well, maybe it's not Abraham. Maybe we should go down and look at one of his sons, Isaac or Ishmael. Today, the, the Middle East is in turmoil. The world is in turmoil because of that relationship right there. We'll keep on going down. You've got Jacob and Esau. I mean, that, that's the way to do it. When the mom helped the younger son cheat to get the birthright, like you talk about a dysfunctional family. Oh, my goodness. Well, well let, maybe it's the next generation, Joseph. You know, the one where his brother sold him into slavery right before they decided not to kill him? That's a functional family. No, not quite. Well, maybe we just need to fast forward and we need to find somebody that is, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart, David. Now, let's look at his family. I mean, that's what we really need to be doing, right? And then you find out that David wasn't that great of an example. You'll find out that one of his sons raped one of his daughters and one of his other sons killed that brother. Fast forward a little further, and you'll find out one of those sons tried to usurp his kingdom. The reality is this, and, and only God can explain this. Why would you write a book highlighting the best things and include those families? Or include those stories about those families? I mean, if you're telling, it's only a family reunion where stuff like this comes out, Right? And it's only in the Bible where God could take that truth and teach us how we're supposed to live. You know, if you watch and listen to Jesus, he taught his disciples a different way to have a family. And so what I want to share with you this over these next five um, messages is that there is a New Testament model for a functional family. We're not going to find it in those Old Testament examples. Those are good examples of what you shouldn't do as a family. But if you read the New Testament, if you listen to the followers of Jesus who the Holy Spirit compelled to write the Word of God, you're going to hear from them. And so the first one that I want to share with you is in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, open that up. If you're here today and you don't own a copy of God's Word, right in front of you is a Bible. If you open that up, it says, if you don't own a copy of God's Word, take this one. Make this one yours. We want you to keep that. Not just while you're here in church, but when you go home. Well, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, it says uh, these words very clearly. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise. Now, moms and dads, we love this verse, don't we? We love both of those verses. 
If you jump over to Colossians chapter 3 in verses 18 through 19, it kind of maybe ruffles some feathers here. Because verse 18 in Colossians chapter 3 says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. In verse 19, it talks to the husbands. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And if that's not enough, if, if you found 1 Peter, I'm sorry, verses 20 and 21 reiterates what Ephesians 6 says. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke or embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And then we see a follow-up to this all in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 7, where it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I want you to understand, when Jesus taught this to his disciples, this was a radical new ideal. When he said that your wives are heirs with you, that's not what was taught. That's not the way they understood it. Wives didn't get any kind of inheritance. And yet Jesus is telling his disciples, and his disciples are now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, taking this message and and sharing it with us today in 2020. You know, for us today in 2020, that's not a radical new ideal. But when Peter was writing these words down, it was radical. When Jesus was sharing these words with his disciples, this was, this was something that they just didn't understand. This did not make any sense. So if I were to boil it down for you, if you want to have a functional family based on what the New Testament teaches us, it's these four principles. Number one, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, Don't aggravate your children. You know, and what I find interesting here is that Jesus, through his disciples, teaches us in each one of these positions, he challenges you to do the least easy thing. You know what that means? The most difficult. So the most difficult thing for husbands to do is to love their wives. See, it's easy for husbands to provide. It's easy for husbands to protect. But when it comes to loving our wives, we don't do a great job. I remember in Bible college, uh, the dean of men, when he was, he was teaching a class that I was in, and when he talked about husbands loving your wives, one of the guys asked, well, what does that look like? And he said, do you spend as much money on your wife as you do on yourself? When you go out and buy that new fishing rod, do you go out and buy your wife something new that costs as much? When you buy yourself that new AR-15, do you buy your wife something equivalent? When you buy a new car, do you get your wife a new car? And so he started putting those things out there, and and that radically changed the way that I looked at this. And, And one day, I don't know that this was me necessarily being the best husband, but there was a time in my life when we were early in our marriage where I wanted, we lived in Florida, and I wanted a jet ski. I mean, I was thinking of the ways that I could minister with the jet ski. Friends would come over and we could share our faith and we could go to the beach and we could ride on the jet ski. 
about that time, my wife lost her wedding ring. Now, when she told me this, I didn't get shocked. I didn't get upset because three months earlier, I had lost my wedding ring. And I didn't even think anything of it. My God, you know, it was a hundred dollar. Well, I'll get that. We'll replace that soon. You know how I lost that wedding ring? On a jet ski. <laughs> and it was about the time when I was re-enlisting in the Air Force and I got this bonus. And this bonus was just the right price for a new jet ski. And so I was going and ready to go buy a new jet ski. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just the words of Toby Weaver that were speaking in my mind and that I probably shouldn't do that with the money. And instead, we took that money and we bought a new wedding ring. So if you see the sparkly stuff on uh, my wife's finger, that is what a jet ski looks like. And you know what I'm really proud of? Today, that jet ski would have been gone. It would have been forgotten. It would have been in a junkyard. And, and yet that ring is still on her finger. And that ring represents something much greater than that jet ski ever could have. Yeah. Wives. <laughs> Submit to your husbands. You know, when I see this, I think of my mom. My mom was awesome. I loved my mom. She was the glue. She was the Holy Spirit to our family. But I didn't learn. I, I didn't understand why on Saturday mornings when we would make breakfast, dad was always cooking. My dad was a great breakfast cook. He made the world's best brown gravy. He knew how to uh, cook eggs better than anyone else. And he didn't even eat them that much. He would make toast in the oven. Have you ever done that where you butter it and you put it on broil? And oh, like that is the best toast known to man. And it wasn't until later in life that we found out why dad made breakfast for the family on Saturdays. It was because when I was a wee little lad and I didn't know right from wrong, one day, my dad made the statement that he could cook breakfast better than my mom. And mom decided to let him prove that the rest of his life. And i got to be honest with you, folks. That's not what the Bible meant by submitting. You see, it's easy for wives to love their husbands. It's hard for them to submit to their husbands. It's easy for husbands to submit to their wives. You need to look no further than our culture right now. It's hard for husbands to love their wives. Well, let's look at the third piece of this. Children, obey your parents. I learned this lesson the hard way. I learned that if I would listen to my mom and my dad, God would bless that. You know how I learned that? Because there were times where I disobeyed my parents and God never blessed it. I mean, it was like, this, this should work. It works for everybody else. But if I was doing it against my dad's blessing or against my mom's blessing, it didn't work for me. And if we look at this promise in Scripture, it says, everything go, would go well with you if you'll just listen to your parents. 
if you'll obey them. Even, I believe, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's probably not the best advice, if it's your parents' advice, God will sprinkle his blessings on that and allow it to, for you to go far, further, to do more with that because you have honored God's word, then you being right and proving your parents wrong. Kids, you, wanna, you want to be successful in high school? Listen to your parents. Children, you want to have a great life? Obey your parents. That's the promise. You know, it's easy for kids to love mom and dad. You've seen this. Children raised in a home that's rough, and yet they love their mom and dad. It's easy for them to submit, probably because of that position. But it's hard for kids to obey. I've got a two-year-old grandson and a four-year-old grandson that prove this out. They don't have to be 12 and 15 and 17 years age. It starts young. It's hard for children to obey. And the last one says that fathers don't aggravate your children. Man, I think of my relationship with my dad when it came to sports teams. I don't know why, but my dad chose that whatever sport team I was rooting for, he was rooting for the other team. And when I was 13 and 14 and 15, I didn't understand that, and it hurt. It bothered me. It didn't make any sense. And I'm here to share with you, dads, that there is a way for us to love our kids without aggravating them. You know, when I think about with my sons, there's many times where I know I aggravated them. And if you would have asked me, why are you doing that? Which Carrie probably did. I would have told you that it's because this is the right thing. This needs to happen. And I was missing the New Testament formula for a functional family. And what happened was I created a dysfunctional family. Do you want to have a functional family? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, don't aggravate your kids. That is the secret. If you take any of those and mix it around, you now have a dysfunctional family. If husbands, you don't love your wives, you like them a lot, you try real hard, but yet you don't love them, you will have a dysfunctional family. Wives, you can respect your husbands, you can do all of those things, but if you don't find yourself listening to the word of God and submitting, you will have a dysfunctional family. Children, if you disobey your parents, you are creating a dysfunctional family. Fathers, if even for the best reasons you aggravate your children, you're going to find your family to be dysfunctional. Four simple tasks, four simple directions, but four very difficult instructions. And the reason why is that what we do instead is we dumb down Scripture's ideal, the New Testament for a functional family. What do you mean by that? Well, we change the rules. We redefine what a husband loving his wife looks like. We redefine what a wife submitting to her husband is. But you see, Jesus didn't dumb it down. Matter of fact, when you look at Jesus' examples, he raised the standard. 
Let me just read a verse very quickly to you out of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 and 28. It says this. He, he was approached and asked a question, and here was his answer. You have heard that it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So when they approached him and they asked him this question about adultery, they were thinking of this physical act. And Jesus raised the standard and he took it down to the soul level, which is where sin occurs. And he says, no, I tell you. And so what happened is Jesus redefined adultery and in his redefinition, he made all men adulterers. And then he paid for their adultery. You know, this is why we struggle with salvation. Salvation, he re, it's redefined. It's impossible. I, I, I tell you that there's only two ways for you to get to heaven. One is to live a perfect life. And the other is to fall on the grace of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the reality is that one, there's, it's impossible. You'll never, ever reach that. But yet God made a way because he knew that you could never, ever reach it. You see, Jesus didn't dumb it down. He raised the standard. And when he raised the standard, he offered grace. Well, you know, the, the Pharisees couldn't stop there and just ask that question. So then they came up to him in Matthew 19 and asked him this question. It says, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Jesus answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined, let no man separate. As it continues, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. You see, what happened was the Israelites, Moses redefined divorce. It was very crystal clear. There was no wondering about how or what or if this qualifies. And what I find ironic is that they're 40 years in the wilderness when Moses has to deal with divorce. They had just been released from 400 years of slavery, and now they're, having, they're wanting to divorce their wives. I think they had a lot of other problems going on besides that. But yet, that's what happens when you have a dysfunctional family. You know, the truth of the matter is we do the same thing with our family. We redefine what a functional family looks like based on us. We try to make our family to be normal. We do it by saying words like this. Oh, that's Uncle Billy being Uncle Billy. Oh, that's just Dad being Dad. Oh, that's my husband. You know, he just does that. Oh, that's my wife. You know what? Every once in a while, I just got to turn off the hearing aid. Oh, that's just my kids. 
The kids say, well, that's just my dad. That's the way he is. And we lower the standard instead of raising the standard as Jesus did. You see, what Jesus introduced was a standard of grace and truth. The truth is, if you want to have a functional family, here it is, four very easy steps. But the reality is, that is unattainable. Husbands, you're going to fall short of loving your wives every once in a while. Wives, you're going to fall short of submitting to your husband the way that the Bible has expressed it. Children, you're going to wake up one day and you're just not going to want to obey mom and dad. Dads, on your best day, you'll probably aggravate your kids. And so we have this unattainable truth, and the tension comes when Jesus introduced this concept of grace. He said, even though you didn't love your wife yesterday, today you can. Wives, even though you didn't submit yesterday, today is a new day, the mercies are fresh, and you can live out the New Testament functional family. But the question that we have to ask is, are we willing to embrace a standard that we'll never ever live up to? And the only way that we can embrace it is to accept the grace that God gives to us. And so what happens is, instead of increasing our effort and trying to live up to this unattainable standard, we lower the standard. And when we lower the standard, it makes us feel better about ourselves It makes us look at our dysfunctional family, and then we start saying things like this, well, at least I'm not as dysfunctional as, you know the name you put in there. You know the family that you're thinking about, oh, you know what, we're messed up, but they're jacked up. If only they'd come to church more. And the reality is this, for Christ's followers, Jesus gave us no other option. We have to embrace this unattainable truth. We're required to. If you're not a Christ follower, you know what? You don't have to buy into that husbands love your wives thing and wives submit. You don't have to. But if you call yourself a Christian, if you uh, claim the name of Christ, you have no other choice but then to love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. And wives, you have no other choice but to submit to your husband just the way the church submits to Jesus Christ. And here's the question that we have to ask. Because I, where do you want your children to end up? I think we want to point them to this functional family. We want to point them to this better family than we grew up in. And yet, why is it that we always fall short and we end up leading them into a dysfunctional family just like we grew up in? I have not met a divorced adult that wants their children to experience the pain and the horror of a divorce. You know, I've heard it joked about, you know, I figured it out on the third time, but no one wants their daughter or their son to have to figure it out on the third time. If we want to have a functional family, all we have to do is follow the simple instructions. And so now as I look forward to the next four weeks, I want you to know this that what I'm going to do is I'm going to point to a better future for your family. You don't have to be stuck in this dysfunction. You don't have to accept it and normalize it. You don't have to believe that, you know what, I'm never ever going to be able to do that, so why try? 
Because God has a way of taking grace and pouring it into your life when you'll follow his instructions and allow you to do more to achieve a better family than you ever thought possible. And it's when you do that that you have a chance that your children will one day experience a better family than you were raised in. The reality is that we do not have to settle. We don't have to lower the standard. We don't have to accept less than what God has made unattainable. We have the ability to achieve more. And I would tell you this, that if you look around and you look at your family and you say, you know what, we're dysfunctional. We're messed up. We got a lot of problems. You're in the majority. That's good news. And so what you do next is you embrace the teachings of Jesus. You embrace the fact that that there is an unattainable truth in these four simple instructions. And the only way that you have a chance is to cling to them with grace. Wives, you're going to have to give your husband some grace when it comes to him loving you. Husbands, you're going to have to extend some grace to your wives sometimes when it comes to them submitting. Children, you need to give some grace to your moms and dads because they're doing everything they can to make your life better than theirs. Fathers... You need to extend some grace to your kids because I guarantee you that your kids want to make you proud. I guarantee you that your kids want to be the best that they possibly can be. And it would mean more for it to come from their dad when you breathe words of affirmation, when you breathe words of encouragement instead of words that cut down, instead of words that hurt, instead of words that exasperate. Church, the future of your family depends on the decisions you make over the next five weeks. Are you going to make the decision, you know what, I just can't do it and I'm not going to try. I've done it, I've tried, and it just didn't work out for me. Or are you going to find, realize that, you know what, I can't love my wife. I can love my kids. I can submit to my husband. I can do what God has laid out. It's going to be difficult. Yes, it is. It's going to be hard. You better believe it. But you can do it. How can you do it? You can do it through this simple word called grace. We've got a Bible study on Wednesday nights for ladies. It's called Embrace Grace. Well, you know what? I think that everyone in our church needs to experience embracing grace. Maybe you're here today and you've never, ever established a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, more than anyone else, need to embrace grace. You see, because there is an unattainable truth that if you died today without Jesus Christ in your heart, you would spend eternity in hell. What's going on in our communities, what's going on across our country, across the world, is nothing compared to what eternity without Christ is going to be like. And you can't do it on your own. But Romans 10, 9 and 10 says these words, that if you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're watching at home, I would encourage you to, again, go to our website, tvccentralia.com slash next. Because there's a next step for everyone to take. But the most important next step is to get in, to get into the family of God. Earlier today, Pastor Jermaine and the worship team introduced to you a song called Be in the Light. That's what 
going from dysfunctional family to being a functional family is all about. It is living out the simple instructions that God has given to us as Christ followers. And if we'll live out those simple instructions, it's not a magic wand and all of those bad decisions, all of those years where you didn't live out those simple principles, don't go away overnight, but you'll see that they start improving. You'll see that the Holy Spirit reaches into your family and he starts speaking to your children and your grandchildren. Starts speaking to your husband. Starts speaking to your wife. And he does things that you thought were impossible, that were unattainable. But it starts with us. So I'd ask you to stand to your feet. And as the worship team leads us, think about these words and ask yourself, are you... As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 